Welcome to our podcast, Barriers to Bridges. I'm Melissa Baco. I'm currently an assistant principal at Santiago High School. And I'm Dana Barron. I'm a teacher on special assignment in science and STEM, and we both work in the lovely Corona Norco Unified School District. Barriers to Bridges is on a mission to share stories of leaders in education who break down barriers and build bridges of opportunity, not only for themselves, but for others around them. Hi, welcome to our last episode for season one before we take a little uh, restful break, summer break, and check out and rejuvenate our souls, which is what educators need to do every summer. Uh, This last episode in season one, we are excited to have Lisa Mfield. She is a resource paraeducator in our district, a climate and culture site coach, and a community building restorative practice facilitator and expert. So she creates lessons for our whole district. She shares with the whole district very freely and we just learned so much from her. And uh, she talks a little bit about her upbringing and how she just didn't really feel connected to school, at least academically. And then later on, she does find some success outside of school and eventually finds her way to being a mom and then back to working and ultimately doing something she really feels passionate about and feels is very purposeful work. And that's the work she's doing now, right now, around social-emotional learning with students in our district. She also gave us a little tour of the room that they created at her campus and we're we haven't quite figured out how we're going to do it but we're going to try to share a video of it on our social media so please check us out uh we're at um barriers to bridges pot.simplecast.com where you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter So today we are super excited. We have Lisa Mfield here with us. And so you come highly recommended. We are doing a lot of social emotional learning um, in our district in and professional development and schools are setting fire to, you know, bringing those practices into their schools. And when we first interviewed Trisha Thompson, we were like, hey, we, we really want to get all voices on this podcast. Like, we would love to have paraeducators. We would love to have clerk. We, like, we, yeah. But we need help. Like, we need recommendations. And she recommended you. <laughs> so that was when you were first on our radar. And that was still when we were, like, brand new. Like, well, we've, we don't even know what we're doing. But <laughs> well, we wrote your name down. Yeah. And so now this, pa- well, really this month. We, our focus has really been mental health, and so that's kind of put us in that lens, yeah. and so that's when we're like, we should, yeah. we should <laughs> so, so Thank you. Uh, here we are, and take it away. So take just it. a little bit about Lisa and all the amazing work she does here in CNUSD. So she started as a noon aide and then moved into the instructional um, assistance realm where she was a one-on-one aide, she was in a SDC classroom, and now you're actually considered an RSP aide, a resource aide, but she's taken on this, um, you know, SEL, MTSS, PBIS, whatever acronym we want to throw <laughs> yeah. out, focus um, in what's exciting. Not only is it here at her individual school site, but it is across the district. You know, you're she's creating lessons and she's sharing it with others. Um, I love the attitude of thinking outside the box. So we're really excited to interview and thank you for agreeing to do this. Oh, thank you. I'm very honored that you asked me to do this. <laughs> 
<laughs> so thank you very much. It's it's nice to be able to share what you're passionate about. Yes. Yes. So we want to start off, we always love talking about what shaped people to be who they are today. So can we go all the way back to your childhood and talk a little bit about that? Well, it wasn't that long ago, but... Oh, it was. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> you know, it's funny, even as a young child, I would sometimes gaze out the window and think, what am I here for? You know, what am I, what is my purpose? And it would be a weird feeling as a child because, you know, your world is a little small. Little did I know, growing up in the elementary, intermediate, high school realm, that that actually was going to set me up for what my purpose is. So basically, being in my 50s now, I've kind of started this late in life. And I think the biggest motivator to work on social and emotional learning for our kids in our schools, not, not just our kids, but our staff, um, would be the fact that I grew up feeling very uh, disengaged in the classroom. I did not get good grades. Uh, the school that I went to was uh, very, well, it was not diverse. Uh, a lot of the families were wealthier, and there was a lot of snobbiness, a lot of bullying that went on, and it was very hard for me to to deal with that. I just never felt like I was a part of, of the community, the school community. Um, but what would happen um, was I was not engaged in school. I did not feel connected, and I did not feel like I belonged. Uh, there was something missing for me in elementary school, in intermediate school, and in high school. And I didn't know what it was until I got to be older. And I, I got to see the world a little differently. And I'm just I, curious. So, because when I hear this story, like, I, I didn't feel connected to anything. So you, I'm sure if someone asked you, like, what's your favorite subject? Or do you have a favorite book? Or do you... Like you, none of that, like none of that resonates with you. No, as a matter of fact, it's interesting you ask that because I love to read and I did love to write, but because I was always expected to write something the way the teacher wanted it, mm. I wasn't allowed to be creative. Um, I turned myself off to it unless I was uh, able to be creative. So shut down. whether that, and of course this was, you know, 50 some years ago. So of course, education has, yeah, has changed. changed a lot. Yes. Um, but I would go into my room and I would read and I just got disconnected sometimes too from my own family because I just had a hard time socially and emotionally um, feeling like I belonged. I just always kind of felt different. And there was a lot of, um, because we were not a diverse school, I, I think that the students were very sheltered. And so when we would have a little bit of diversity, there would be a lot of teasing that might go on. And I know that I myself was teased a lot for the way that I looked. And so when I would see other kids teased in mm -hmm. that way, um, it wasn't just something that I could walk away from. I, I felt like I would literally take it into my heart and bring it home, and for days, it would bother me. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I even remember in first grade, a little boy was reading in front of the class, and the word was ladybug, and I remember this. The word was ladybug, but he said lawnmower, and the whole class laughed. And to this day, I still just feel that feeling of that poor kid. Why are these kids laughing at him? Oh. Um, so, you know... I feel like that stuff can happen, though, so I wonder... It just sounds like the educator didn't respond because well, yes. I feel like kids still because still, kids still make kids are kids yeah make yes. mistakes and but you can't just let you have to use that as a teaching moment yeah. and you have to re include that child so I I wonder if like that so it was just like ignored well I mean yes and if I you think remember that's a wonderful way to bring up the fact that I think that's why I feel such a purpose 
to do this work um, because I have seen the value of community circles. Mm -hmm. I've seen the value of empathy um, coupled with resilience because, you know, I would love to say that everyone's going to grow up and be kind. That would be the goal, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, in saying that, there also needs to be an element of resilience because when you grow up in a world where we can't guarantee that everybody's going to grow up to be kind. We have to be able to give kids the tools to be able to be resilient to that Mm -hmm. and to be able to deal with, you know, people who may be unkind. So you're right. Um, I know that here at my site, it's amazing because with the restorative practice, um, you know, things that the, the, the ways, the tools that we have here uh, we use those tools to be able to make every single moment a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And I know, for example, we had a student once um, that threw another student's backpack and it ripped. And the first thing I did was call them in and say, you know, how are we going to solve this? You know, we did, did our restorative circle and it was decided that we would sew it together. We would sew that backpack up together and we got that (laughs) needle and thread and we did that. And as we're doing that, those two kids who would sometimes argue quite a bit, were being able to bond over that. I was going to say, they now built a relationship because of that. Yes. Instead of, you think about what would have happened if you disciplined that kid, suspended, Mm -hmm. whatever happens, but sent them away, didn't allow them to work it out in... How did this make you feel? How did it make mm-hmm. me feel? And really come up with, like you said, a solution? Yes. Like, it's so powerful. And let the kids come up with the solution. Yes. Yes. To not make it your solution, mm-hmm. the yeah. adult's solution. And guiding them, you know, to, mm-hmm. to listen to their conscience. I don't think we do enough of that. Yeah. Um, because we all have one. Mm-hmm. And when they're able, you're able to question them in such a way to where they're examining their own conscience, yep. it's powerful because it empowers them. Um, I'm so curious how... I have some learning to do with, the, you know, the littles, but I have... So you're bringing up this kind of very raw moment that just happened with our son, and he's only five. And we, the teacher talked to us, and she's like, you know, he was poking a kid with a pencil today, and the other parents are very upset. I talked to them... And I think we're okay, but I just needed to let you know. And so my husband and I are like, we know our kid. He's, he's, I mean, I'm sure every, you definitely have bias when they're your own kid, but he's a, he is the kindest soul, you know, and he was probably getting a little carried away being a little too silly and thought it was funny. And the other wasn't reading the social cues that the other kid didn't think it was funny. Right. But I wish there would have been some sort of restorative conversation between the two of them because it it was like handled between the adults Uh and even though they're little like we need to start teaching them right away you know how to solve their own problems and if they can't of course you're there standing with them and guiding Mm -hmm. them but absolutely so we do that with our kids our I mean because our two kids bicker and whatnot but um I just think yeah you know what I'm saying like Mm -hmm. I don't know if everyone obviously they don't have those tools because his teacher cares a lot um and she did it everything you know is fine now but I just wish there would have been a when I think what is our most precious resource besides children I mean well in, in the education system, you know, we raise them. Um, but the most precious resource are people because people are the ones that build the connections. Yep. And so is it, I mean, I'm going to be really honest, is it reasonable to ask a teacher who has a million things going on yeah. to stop in front of 30 students and carry on with that restorative practice that needs to be done to fidelity because it's yeah. just not enough to say, you know, what did you do? How did this happen? You know, it, it, it has to come from, from a, a heartfelt level, yeah. you know, and I know that um, we need more people 
and they don't have to be credentialed people. Yeah, they, they know can how to be, do it. Yes, they can be loving. Girl, you're speaking to my heart. <laughs> people who, yes. who want to build relationships. Yes. I mean, once a psychologist told me, you know, uh, a student's lifeline was, was once, in his experience, a security guard. Yep. That was his constant. That was his mentor. And if we empower all of our staff to be able to have the time to do that, I, I can only imagine what miracles, yeah. you know, well, might happen. But it always goes back. Like what we originally talked about, like when we were trying to set those, I've never seen myself as a leader. That's what you said to I us. Never, I know no. you and never. Like, that very and, first thing. But you are. <laughs> but I think it's almost a disservice, like whereas the education system, so not pointing fingers at any one particular person, but the education system in general, how it is set up, mm-hmm. I don't think it's just you. I think there's a lot of our classified people Absolutely. that don't view themselves as a leader when they truly are. And like you said, a lot of times, like, are misguided, troublemaker, mischievous kiddos on campus. The classified staff are the ones they've built the relationship with because the teachers might have just kicked them out because you don't want them disturbing the learning environment. So who is constantly seeing them? The clerks, the security, the custodians, where they're the ones building that relationship. Mm -hmm. And if they saw themselves as leaders and felt like they had the permission Mm -hmm. to take ownership and do something about it. Yes, that empowerment. Mm -hmm. If they felt like they, what kind of schools would we have if we empowered our classified people and told them, no, you are important on this campus to our kids and to our community, and you can do it. And we have trust and faith in you that you're going to be able to carry carry it through. Obviously training them because... You can't just yes. throw them out without their own tool belt, but I, yes. I mean, I just... Well, you got to add administrators school. into that because... Agreed. I I just... I, so it's fresh on my mind. I, had, I took a PD on trauma-informed yeah. schools. And one of the big things that resonated with me was you can't expect the student with some sort of mm-hmm. struggle to just it to be solved in five minutes. So like if let's say they do get sent to the front office and they're, they're sent to an administrator, the administrator needs to have the goal of giving the kid the skill they need. Yes. Because if they don't have that skill, they're going to be a repeat offender. Mm-hmm. They're going to be up in your office all the time, mm-hmm. or they're going to be disrupting classes all the time or they're going to be disengaged all the time or whatever it is. So um, so I was like, ooh, because if you – it was contradictory a little bit for me because all I've always heard is you need to keep them in the classroom, right? You need to keep them in yeah. the learning. Yes. yes, But then what if they have – Something mm-hmm. that's preventing them from learning. Well, that's what, if you then can't it may give be them, appropriate yes. to remove them. If you can't give them the coping skill and teach yeah. them the coping skill, mm-hmm. they're not going to do the learning in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So you right. may like my my view is, and I yeah, you got to keep them in the learning. But at some point, you might need to remove them for a short period of time, give them and work on the coping skill that they so they can shift their emotions. regulate their emotions within the class so then Mm -hmm. instead of being sent out every day for 30 minutes maybe that one time for 30 minutes and then a check-in here and there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now instead of losing let's say in a week they're losing you know two and a half hours of class time because they're being sent out almost every day for 30 minutes if you just invest 30 minutes they just yes. gain two hours because they're not two and a half hours out. They're yeah. only a yes. half hour out. So it's, although, yes, you want them engaged in the learning, like my view, you want them engaged in learning. Sometimes you need to remove them. you got to mm-hmm. teach them that skill so they can self-regulate yes. in the classroom. They know what their triggers are, and then they know how to cope when they, mm-hmm. you know, that trigger. And I wonder how much, you know, we would be able to prevent these issues if, the connection was built beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when that's a clap for her. You no, know, when when somebody <laughs> takes a slow clap. That's a slow clap. <laughs> I just know that when somebody cares about who I am mm -hmm. as a person, yeah, you have my heart. You know, you mm -hmm. I will I will want to please you. I yes. I will I will feel like you've invested in me as a human being. And even with my faults. And so I wonder if we were able to build that with each child as an individual, yes. how much of the behavior issues, you know, become preventative simply by that. And I, I know that it works because there have been kids on my radar and I've gone, you know, specifically to just check in and they look at you shocked. What yeah. what what I do? What I do? Am yeah, I in trouble? Am I in trouble? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm just it's like you are worth my time today. Yes. I just want to come see how you're doing. And it's it has to be a constant yes. and it takes time. And that's where I think we're missing Agreed. because we're all rushing around, you know, doing what's expected of the school system, the academic system. Um, and I mean, I understand it. it. It's it's a hard sell sometimes for educators because they're overwhelmed. Um, and I feel like when you said, you know, I don't consider myself a leader because I just will always remember that I'm in the trenches. I am in the trenches with you. I am not going to judge you. If you uh, feel that social and emotional is, is just too touchy-feely and I have a hard time with it, then I am going to accept you anyway, but I'm going to prove to you in a quiet way that it works. <laughs> and, and I've had a couple teachers that that has actually worked with they see it and and one student would check in and check out i don't know what you can do i don't know what this is just you know not going to work and and this student completely i mean i've never in my life seen a student change so uh you know it's it's proving it proving it okay you're not gonna buy into it yet that's fine i get it you know you have your own life story for whatever reason but but i'm gonna kindly prove it to you that it works without judging you as an educator yeah well and they so, can always put their own style on it like yeah you can't it's just same thing we don't we want you wanted to be creative teachers want that too they want to be able to be creative and do lessons within their realm of strengths so yes i think as long as we keep that focus on it for educators yes and what is and, the what is the biggest thing that we have to offer kids is our life experience you know our life stories mm -hmm. and I've been through that you know mm -hmm. when I was a kid I, I went yeah. through that you know this is what I did what do you think you could do you know mm -hmm. so but it's building so going back to that relationship piece that you said that has a lot to do with those relationships you built I always say my favorite kids that I have ever had in my career have been the ones that are consistently in my office yes um and they might have made some bad choices, but I've built some great relationships with them. And even though I may continually see them, they're not making as many bad choices or they're starting to have a little reflection and you see that improvement. But it comes down like they don't want to disappoint me yes. because I took that time to build that relationship. So when they do something and they're in my office, it's immediate. I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry, Miss Baco. I'm so sorry. Yes. You know, because they disappointed me. But it's those relationships. And when you look at all the whole child um, research that's I think whole child research, I mean, it's been around for a while, but really within the last year or two with the, the COVID and the pandemic, that number one on whole child is that relationships, relationships, mm -hmm. relationships. They matter. Yes. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that was another thing that resonated with the trauma-informed mm -hmm. schools is, okay, first of all, I was floored. You really have to teach with the lens of trauma always because most of the time you won't know kids have trauma. And then it's like as high a stat as like one in five, two in five yeah. have experienced something already by elementary school. So, but the one contributing factor that lowers the um, ba basically stress or, or bad stress of the trauma is having someone to help you through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so... 
that would be the relationship, right? So if you have a, someone that helps you through it, it's, it's majorly, the research shows that it majorly, um, you know, minimizes yes. the effects, basically. And what I love, what I've seen happen with, with our staff here is, um, you know, some of our classified who have, have worked with me, they, they feel they're, I love to lift them up because they have so much to give and we all know that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think anybody, when you're able to really reach a child and feel like you have done right by that child, it almost feeds your, your soul and it almost empowers you to, um, let down your guard a little bit, you know, to be a little vulnerable. I mean, I know we're adults and we're all supposed to be in charge, (laughs) you know, um, and that's important and there has to be respect for teachers and for staff. Um, but we are just people too. And in a lot of ways, we're just big children that are grown up, you know? And so I always like to, you know, be who I needed when I was younger. And while some of those kids may need something different than what I needed, at least it will give me a lens of, you know, what, what did I need in those childhood years that, that really kept me, you know, not engaged or made me feel disconnected and depressed and sad. Um, and I think about what did I need? Well, I needed maybe some more mentorship. I needed a teacher who was going to invest in me and say, you don't understand this. Let's sit down and do that. Um, I've never really seen a teacher like that in my you know, career. Uh, but back in those days, things were a whole lot different in education. <laughs> you know, we have to talk about high school because <laughs> I read your stuff. So tell me about high school because, well, and this is just baffling to me that you didn't have even, you know, kids that I've talked to that, you know, hated school. They usually had at least one, you know what I mean? Like one teacher that was like, you know, I kind of, yep, I kind of resonated with that. So, so how did... How did, how did high school go, and then what got you? Um, you know, I had one history teacher who, in front of the entire class, told me I had too much makeup on one day. And it was devastating. And I know, oh, that sounds dramatic. But when you're in high school and you don't feel confident about who you are, and you're trying to fit in, mm-hmm. that just crushed my heart. Um, I had another teacher who was a football coach and he would literally sit on a desk <laughs> and talk to the guys in the classroom about football and it was math and math was my worst subject. Um, I can honestly say I did not have a teacher that I felt could have inspired me to get those good grades. And I was in a I was in a high-performing school. I mean, we were not Title I. We were in a wealthy area. Mm-hmm. So you would think that it would have been different. Um, I just, I, I passed high school. I mean, and I, I knew in my heart that, that I could do it, but I just didn't believe in myself. Okay, well, I'm leading you here because okay. we have something in common. <laughs> so you, awesome. wrote, you wrote that you joined FFA. Yes, yes. And so when I read that, I was like, oh, got my another FFA. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we be tight in the agriculture oh, world. Oh, I love it. Uh, and I saw that you raised steers. Mm-hmm. And Baco just about fell out of her seat when she heard that I raised animals for market because that is you know that's hard oh yeah for people to wrap their heads around especially in an area where agriculture is not near us Mm -hmm. so a lot of communities like if you just go back east really it's everywhere but in our area it's not if you Mm -hmm. drive out to imperial valley it's there's fields everywhere and if you drive up to central california there's fields everywhere and we have some here we definitely like if you go out and yeah we will shoot corona used to be the citrus capital here but um 
but you know, uh, it's not as a parent here anymore. It's so. unusual. Where, yeah. What school did you go to for that? I went to Norco High. Okay, because I yeah. was at Orange, or, or sorry, um, oh my gosh, my mind went La Havre? Orange High School. It's oh, just Orange, Orange High School. School. Okay. Orange High School, Orange FFA, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we toured, did I tour that in college? So one of my programs, I had to tour all the agriculture, like I had to tour at least, we toured at least 10 of them in the area. And I we did tour a couple out in the Orange area, but I think one of them was, I don't think we went to Orange. I think we went to La Habra, but yeah. I'm familiar with that. That's so area. cool. I don't know yeah. anybody else other than my husband because that's how I met my husband was in high school. Oh, really? We both raised steers. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, but it's a lot of work. It's so much work, <laughs> and people look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. And you know, I almost think it was my way of showing my strength in that yeah. I'm an individual. And if you're not going to see me for who I am, then I'm going to show you. <laughs> and so I don't want to say I didn't do it out of spite, but I did do it to just kind of prove a point, if to anybody but myself, that I was going to step out of my box. And, and I met wonderful people there, I will say. My senior year, I met very down-to-earth people. It was a more diverse high school. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's so awesome. I'm just so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> so you showed at Orange Fair? At the Orange County Fair. Okay, yeah. Yes. I I never, did I ever show at Orange County Fair? I think I did show my horse there. Because I, I yes. uh, did the equestrian, equestrian route, and then I also raised market animals. So those were both my projects. Wow. And I used to show all over the state, but... Um, wow, you, you did more than I did. <laughs> oh, well, you don't know any different... When yeah. you're doing it, but, um, and we just had a really act, we were just, I just had a really active group of friends. Like we all did yeah. it. So I didn't know. Any different, so I but. guess I can say after talking to you that perhaps my whole high school was not, you know, so terrible. I mean, you're right. You're, you're we separating the two though. You're I separating am. the academic yes. from, you were really a part of a robust leadership program. Because that's what FFA, yeah. the goal is. It's The actual goal isn't to raise the animal. The goal is to gain confidence and entrepreneurial skills and social skills and, you know, responsibility. Yes. So it sounds like... Interesting. Yeah, I learn something new about myself every day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send our bill in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> All these conversations are free therapy. I'll pay yeah, you. I know. I'll, <laughs> sure. I'll pay you once a week to figure me out. That, that will. <laughs> I need somebody to do that. <laughs> oh, we're. But yeah, when I saw that it, um, that you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a kindred spirit. I know when I yes. read FFA, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yes. Baker was just that, like, blew her mind. Although, Michigan, you know, Michigan's got a lot yeah. of ag in it. My yeah, dad but lives we there. Like, I know in my school, and I like, you know, I think I lived a sheltered life where yeah. I grew up in, in my area. We didn't really do much outside other than, I mean, I had softball and stuff, and we went all over the country with that, but we didn't mm -hmm. have, like, FFA and stuff in like my little sheltered bubble. So yeah. I didn't really. Yeah, they're not at every school. It wasn't no. until I like moved out to North California. Chronicle only has an ag program at North. Oh, that's High. interesting. Yeah, it wasn't until I moved out to California. I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's active in Michigan, though, yeah. too. Every mm -hmm. state. I know, but I, I mean, I literally grew up in a yeah. sheltered world. Like, so, uh, I up. mean, I have to ask you, did they call you Aggies at Norco? Because that was what they used to not call Not really. Um, I think, I mean, you know Norco. I don't think it was as different as probably it would have been at Orange. You know, in yeah. your, like, in Nor at Norco, I mean, it's, it's changed. The culture's definitely changed, but it, in some ways it hasn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you weren't, even if you weren't in FFA, it was common for people to be Aggies, if you will, even if you weren't an FFA. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. It's like Whereas, like, a mm -hmm. lot of schools, if you're an Aggie, you're only an FFA, and you're mm -hmm. classified as that, right? Mm -hmm. As your, 
you know, you have your stereotypical groups that kids have in their minds or whatever. Yes. I wouldn't say it was like that as much for me at Norco because it's just there were, I don't know, more of us or... Well, and I think families have... I feel that way. Do families have land, more land? Yeah, families have land. Even families that weren't into agriculture, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just more common... It's common for people to have chickens. It's common, you know, like yeah, it's just more yes. common thing in that community. But wow. yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love to, I'm, I love to talk about it. So I'm, I, those I quarter, had to bring it up. <laughs> those blue corduroy jackets. Yes. Yeah. I still have mine hanging yes. in the closet <laughs> with all the pins on it. So now fast forward to, so you you did graduate? Oh from yes, high school. yes, yes. That was a fight because um, I didn't want to graduate. I was at Villa Park High School, and I didn't want to graduate from Villa Park High School because I didn't like that high school. But I took my agriculture classes at Orange High, so I felt like I belonged at Orange High. So I wanted to graduate from Orange High, but I did end up graduating from Villa Park because that's what my parents wanted me to do. So it really didn't matter. As so long you were as I you were taking academic classes at one high school, but you were as part of a program. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. And so then you graduated and you had plans to what? Um, I wanted to go to nursing school. Well, I worked at a preschool for a little while and did summer camp and I, I really loved it, but I decided to go to nursing school and that was the first time in my life, my pre-nursing, I got straight A's and it just proved to me that, you know, (laughs) when you have a purpose, when you feel engaged and we were a close knit group at Santa Ana college at the time, um, we all supported each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just realized, you know, how important it is to, you know, really discover what it is that inspires you. Um, and for me, feeling connected and feeling, you know, purposeful in life is what inspires me to do my very best. And so, um, unfortunately, I got through my pre-nursing and a doctor offered me a job in an office. And at the time I thought, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. I'm gonna learn how to draw blood. I'm gonna learn how to do treadmills and I'm gonna make all this money, which at the time, I mean, it was nothing, but yeah. I mean, now it was nothing, but at the time it was so much money. Mm-hmm. And um, so I worked there, ended up getting married. And then before I knew it, I had three kids and they were all within, you know, a four year period. And my husband was a carpenter and so he, his jobs were here or there, you know, was not consistent. And so that was when I started working in an emergency room in the admitting department. And um, then I was doing transcribing, medical transcribing during the day, and then would babysit sometimes. And so I had you all these babies. You however you yes. could, all hours yes. of the day. And yeah. you know what? I am so grateful for that. <laughs> because I feel like that was when I learned how resilient I really was um, mm-hmm. because I just had to do what I had to do. Yeah. And um, Sounds like your purpose at that time was your family. It was yeah. absolutely my family, yeah. but I also did feel, I've always felt regret for not finishing college, always. Mm. Um, and I've reconciled that now because where I'm at and, and the path of life that has brought me to why this is so important to me now, um, it's almost as if my life would have changed if I had gone yeah. to college and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And what I'm doing now, you know, fulfills what I feel is my purpose. So I try not to be too hard on myself about that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's hard because they always say there's a reason why yes. this is happening, and at the time you might not yes. like the reason, and, well, or you don't know the reason why. Yes. But looking back, well, and I've had people actually tell me in the last couple years, um, you really missed the boat. You know, you really should have 
gone back to school and you you could be doing so much more now with with the talents that you have why do we do that (laughs) why do we should on ourselves i know know. every how many episodes now We yeah. should on ourselves. Yeah. You should have done we this. Should have done this. Should have done, done that. that. Yeah. Yep. And the thing is, had I done that, I wouldn't have experienced everything I experienced to get me to this point. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be able to sit in a circle with thirty kids and know that you know when I pass this brick around and I ask these kids to hold this brick in a circle, pass it around. Imagine holding that brick. You know, for two weeks, three weeks in your backpack, add another brick. You know, it's like anger. If you're yeah. holding on to anger, this is what it feels like. Your mm-hmm. body would feel tired. Your body would feel frustrated. And then they are able to share those descriptions of what they think it would feel like. And equating the, the heavy brick to anger. I mean, those are just the things that, that I think I'm, I'm not sure if I would have been able to construct those circle lessons. Um, if I was caught up in, I don't know yeah. how to explain it. No, I hear what you're saying. In the, you brain stuff, yeah. well, the brain I, stuff. Well, I look at it as what I hear you saying, or this is what I'm equating to my head, is if you didn't have all those obstacles to overcome and if you didn't face adversity, you wouldn't be able to serve the students the way that you do now because you would have had a happy go lucky life yes and every i mean which is not bad but you wouldn't be able to serve in in this job right now the capacity that you're serving in now and and i want to also say that i mean i can't compare my my life the obstacles to some of the obstacles that our kids are facing i mean my life was really a piece of cake compared to some of the things that we're seeing now with our families Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it just, I just try to keep myself grounded and remember that these parents are just people. These kids are people. Mm-hmm. We're all just people. We all need grace. We all need somebody to invest in us. And um, I just love people. And that's why this pandemic has been so difficult for me because I just miss that so much and I miss seeing my kids faces mm-hmm. um, I miss the relationships with the parents mm-hmm. you know because a lot of um, you know aides or educators that I know it's like oh I gotta talk to this you know parent it's sometimes they're really tough but but it's because they're they're scared you know and they're afraid of being judged and sometimes yeah. just giving them a hug and saying you know what just take a deep breath you're gonna be okay it it just goes a long way with them. But a lot of it's mindset, too. Like, yes. I got to talk to that parent instead of yeah. I get to talk to that parent. Yes. You know, that mind, shifting that mindset, too, that although the conversation might be tough to start, it goes back to, I think, kind of the theme of the relationships theme, that if you build that relationship with the parent, yes. that I got to talk, I you know, I must, I have to. Is yes. I get to. It really yes. changing the mindset. Yes. To and, build that relationship. and I feel bad. I don't want anybody to think that I'm, you know, being negative about people's mindsets because oh. I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not being negative about it at all. I, I just, I want to do whatever I can do to support yeah. other educators and, you know, whether it be paraeducators or teachers, I just want them to know that they're so important and that their contribution to all of these kids' lives, no matter what that might be, um, like I value it personally. I I value them as just people, mm-hmm. you know. And I just I don't know in a non-judgmental way, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about you. Kind of have the same a lot of the same philosophies as Shelley Arbor, <laughs> like that people aren't black and white. Mm-mm. No. There's no like you can't sign someone off as a good teacher or bad teacher or. Um, or a good person or a bad person. Thank you. Until you've yes. invested time yeah. in them. Oh, beautiful. And yeah. you know, <laughs> gotten to know them, and then, and then, coach them. Some people mm-hmm. don't know. I, I said, I'll say it again. Some people don't know what they don't know. No, they yeah. just don't know that they could be 
growing in this area. Yeah. Well, they, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't like, know as a, as a child and a student, I didn't have anybody to, you know, my parents were wonderful, but, but your parents are your parents. They're going to love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, so you're right. It's, it's just accepting somebody for who they are and just supporting them and loving them. And that's why I feel so close to this staff here at Stallings. Um, because you just said it so beautifully. You just, it's not black and white. It really isn't. You can't, when you're dealing with people, you can't be that way. Yeah. I mean, but kids need that too. Feedback is so crucial to everyone's growth. And you think about it when you're talking about the adults, your whole <coughs> childhood career, and if you mm -hmm. go to college or you go into training or you get a new job, feedback, 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 you know, your whole... Yep. And then you become an adult, and something depends on where you're at and what career. Sometimes the feedback stops. Yes. And so you can get in a rut. Yeah. Because you don't get any feedback on what you need or, you know, to grow or what you're doing right or what you're doing mm -hmm. wrong. Like, it's, it's so it's... Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I like the whole coaching that you're a coach here and the philosophy of coaching and yes. I mean life coaches and fitness coaches and therapists like they're doing great right now. Oh yes. Yeah. Society has realized mm -hmm. oh I maybe can't do this alone. Maybe I need someone to coach well, me I think up it's on not this. that I can't. They realize they don't have to do it alone. Or yeah, or they don't you have know, to. You know, not that. Yeah. You know, I think that's what it is. It's if you're not you're not alone. And I I mean, I think that's come out because mm -hmm. people have felt so alone for so Absolutely. long and it really came out when the mm -hmm. pandemic hit. Yeah. And as we went further and further, I think that loneliness started in Growing, and yes. now that we're kind of starting, it's like it's okay knowing that it's okay to reach out for help and knowing that you're not alone. You have others mm -hmm. that you can get to help and support you, and that's okay. Yes, it's okay to have others, it's okay not yeah. to have it all put together in a right. perfect little box. It's okay to be messy. Yeah. And when, when you see people doing that, you do let your guard down because yeah. you think, okay, well. They're accepting, you know, themselves and they're accepting me for who I am. Yes. Like I can let my guard down a little bit, you know, and be a little vulnerable. Yes. Um, and being vulnerable is very scary. But I'm telling you, these kids, some of the things that I've seen happen in our circles with these kids, I just can't believe it. It's it's amazing the things that I've seen happen with these kids in their communication with each other. Mm -hmm. And if they hadn't had that opportunity, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just think that having a time during the, during, you know, once a month, we do them here once a month, the teachers signed up for them and they're themed every month. Um, we also have a, a block at the end where is there anybody that, you know, you need to say, is there anybody that you want to say something to? And so I've had kids come up and say, you know, I noticed you're doing this really well. And I've had a lot of kids, though, that apologize for something that they have done. And to just be able for those kids to recognize that in themselves, mm -hmm. it is so cool. And, yeah. and for them to see the reaction of the person on the receiving end, yeah. um, it's just amazing. So I love, I love my job and I love people. And um, I get frustrated just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, do you Yeah, I'm much people? better as an adult, though, recognizing it now. Yeah. When I get to that frustration point where it's like when I, you're younger, you just blow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm working on I, I, I just think <laughs> the last year has really not been good for me. Yeah. But as you can see, I miss this room. I miss seeing these kids' faces. I, I miss connecting with my staff, with the people I work with, and um, I miss it. And so it's been hard for me to deal with, and so I just take one day at a time, and I'm back to work now. I took a family leave for a little while to just deal with my own family and, mm -hmm. and work some things out and um 
I don't know. I just am looking forward to things getting back to normal. So you have to tell us about this room. I know. <laughs> Too bad this is a podcast and not a video. I know. Because well, actually, we, can, we can show the video. Yeah, I took we... a video, so I'll share it on our social media when we release the episode. But tell us about this because... I I mean, just sitting in here, I miss it already. Oh. <laughs> I just saw it, and I'm going to have to leave, and I miss it already. So tell us about this amazing room and the amazing work that you do in this room. Well, I have to give credit to Miss Stephanie Ford. Um, yes. She's currently an assistant principal right now. Yeah. Um, she Her idea was to begin this room, and so mm-hmm. she got it started for us, and she also enlisted some of her students at the time to kind of invest in it and help with it. Um, And then when she moved on to another school, I have a wonderful administrator who believes in cell first. And so we came up with the idea of having a room that just doesn't get utilized, you know, when it's needed, you know, occasionally. We wanted it utilized every single day. So um, I came in and just wanted to make it a homey space. So we have different different, uh, stations for uh, different, you know, kids can choose. So over here is a creative station where kids can choose to draw, to write people letters if they're mm-hmm. having an issue with somebody. Yeah. Um, we have another section over here that's just a chill-out section with, with of course, pillows, mm-hmm. which we probably will not be able to use when we come back. But we have a reading section. We have another section um, with a mirror that reminds our students of, you know, who are you? We are here for you. You know, look in the mirror. What do you see? Try to help them with that um, self-awareness part of cell. Um, And then, of course, we have our recliners over here where a lot of adults come in and use those. Mm -hmm. And the biggest portion of, of the room is the little open area in the middle. open area the platforms where we have our circles and we all sit on the floor together our classrooms and have our monthly circles and um i work and do my resource students in here but during the day if there's a student that needs to come in and choose one of the stations if they're going through and having a rough time they can do that and then of course mrs hernandez our wonderful amazing counselor she also helps in this room and we work together to just meet the kids needs um and the kids just love to come in here they feel like they're at home and that was the whole purpose of it was you know a lot of sensory rooms are really cool but we just wanted this room to be a a feeling of safety and security and you'll notice there's a lot of quotes that we have in the room and so uh, what I'll do is if the kids have a particular issue that they're dealing with I'll ask them you know walk around tell me which quote resonates with you the most with what you're dealing with right now you know and so they'll walk around and they'll look and say okay well I relate to that quote because Mm -hmm. this is how I'm feeling you know and then we can kind of decide all right because sometimes they need that that reflective example like a quote can be yeah. It's like a mentor text. Yes. Yeah. Um for them to wrap their head around it. Yes. But I love what you like just in students come in and choose, go around and choose a quote. So it's not like the kids are coming in and you're telling them what to do. No. It's what do you need? You pick what you need. Yes. And I will help you and guide you and mentor you and walk alongside you while you're doing that. So I love that. Yeah. I love the choice of it. Yes. It's not come and sit down and look at yourself in the mirror. They they mm-hmm. might not want that at that time. They may need to just chill out over here on the yes. you know the pillow. So I love the student choice to self-regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. I love it. And the colors. There is research around colors. Soothing. That, yes, there are certain colors that are soothing and warm. And immediately when you walk in. Oh, this is so warm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so warm. It makes you feel. But like I love that. The homey. Relax. It does. It feels yeah. so, like, soothing and homey and comfortable when you as soon as you walk in like you're my homie or no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean every time my homies say, can come every in time you say homie I'm like my homie <laughs> no, um, I, just, I love it 
Thank yeah, you. it's super cool. Thank and thank you, you Stephanie. Oh, it was nice to get. Yes, she's. I miss her. I haven't seen her. Yeah, in a she's long a leader. Time. She's a leader in that. Maybe we need to check in with Stephanie. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, do we want to move into? Oh, I want to talk about. Um, so in every podcast we do a charity of our um, of our guest, and you have chosen Operation Underground Railroad as your um, charity, and never heard about them. So I started to dig around a little bit on it. So why don't you give us a little background of a what it is and how you fell in love with this charity. Well, I actually was introduced to Tim Ballard. Um, I believe it's either on Amazon or Netflix. Uh, There was a documentary on his organization, Mm -hmm. Operation. Tim Ballard was an officer in Homeland Security, and he was assigned to um, work on child trafficking. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that he saw just ripped his heart apart. And so um, at some point he decided to leave Homeland Security and start his own organization and it is called Operation Underground Railroad. And Uh what he does is he has um, a group of people and they go to different countries or it even could be here and they do underground work or undercover Uh work to expose these um, human trafficking and child trafficking Mm -hmm. organizations. It is a huge, it's becoming even more uh, or larger than drugs. It's, Mm -hmm. and it's very unknown. It's, it's, you know, people do not know about it. It's not publicized. Um, What I loved about his organization is that he actually rescued two of the kids that he saved and he adopted them. And so he has this big family. (laughs) They live in Orange County. And he has adopted two of the kids. um, I want to say it was somewhere in Africa. I'm not sure. But he adopted them, brought them here. It took a long time. I actually am going to be looking into um, donating time to the organization because they need people in aftercare. So when they rescue these kids... These kids need aftercare. And so a lot of times they bring a whole team to different countries mm-hmm. and they give those kids that, that aftercare that they need because yeah. of the trauma. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, there's actually a movie that's going to be coming out, um, in, I believe in theaters. Um, it's called Operation Freedom? I can't remember. Is that right? I don't know. I'd have to look. No, no. Um, the Sound of Freedom. There you go. The Sound, Sound of, of Freedom. Freedom. And um, Jim Caviezel is going to be playing his life story. So it's going to oh, be sharing wow. his life story. Yeah. Wow. How cool. It is cool. Well, we will put a link to um, Operation Underground Railroad on our social media so you Super guys can cool. investigate and look into it a little bit more. But yes. we'll definitely put a link in if you have the means and you're able to, then go ahead and donate to uh, Lisa's uh, given charity. All right. Ready for rapid fire? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Turn my brain off. Yes. It's turn, so funny don't how think. everyone... I know. This is like the like, scariest part of I know, it. I like, oh. Okay, so I'll it's... talk about myself and be vulnerable, but if you ask me a rapid fire question... I know, if you ask me what my favorite color is, forget about it. <laughs> I can't make the choice. <laughs> All right, so that's what we're going to start with, favorite color. Purple. She's wearing purple. I know. I know. Oh, what a coincidence. Purple is the color of royalty, so. (laughs) Oh, really? It is. Well, then, maybe I should choose another color. (laughs) Oh, you are royalty. You are royalty. Okay, what's your favorite drink? Water. I love water. I love water. All right, what is your favorite way to spend your free time? Oh, do you really want me to answer this? Yes. (laughs) It's okay if it's super nerdy. I'm a I watch I watch nerd, so. I watch some of those trash TV shows. <gasps> Good for you. <laughs> like reality? Yes. Okay, favorite reality TV show? Oh, Big Brother. Oh, Big Brother. <laughs> I love Big Brother. Big Brother. But it's only on once a year. I know, so that's in the stinks. summer, and it's hard because yes. I'm traveling in the summer. <laughs> oh, not good. And they do it, like, what, ten times a week, it feels like. I think yes. it's, like, three times. Yes. But 
I we come home and we binge watch it. Oh yes. So it's the best. I literally on my social medias, I will because I follow all the big Big Brother stuff. I take it all <laughs> off because I don't want them to squeal. Like, I know. So I know. We literally come home and we binge watch. Oh yes. um, Big it's, Brother until we catch up. It's, so it's great family bonding. It my is. girls are both adults and we bond over that show every summer. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it too. Oh, okay. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, early bird for sure. Yes. What time do you go to sleep? Oh, I go to sleep at seven thirty, eight o'clock. Oh, see, you're like my jam. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm an early bird too. Are you a cat or a dog person? Oh, dog, dog. I have four. Yes. yes. Okay. And since you're an FFA or an Aggie, <laughs> since you're an Aggie, what's your favorite animal? Oh, oh gosh, I just can't pick one. I love them all. <sighs> That's such That's a That's why it's so answer. ironic. That's so why it's so ironic that I would raise market animals. But so you would like love a snake? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do this. No, one but then. if it was dying, I'd feel so sorry. Like no, mammals, so like mammals. So like, can we narrow it down well, to mammals? Do dolphins. If you could dolphins. Okay, but okay. if you could be any animal, what would you want to be? Oh, I would be a puppy because they're happy all the time. <laughs> That's so Pollyanna-ish. I love. I struggle with puppies because I want to take them all home. Yes, me too. I just want them. Yes. Have you guys seen the movie Boss Baby? Yes. No. Okay, so my boys love it because it's about brothers Mm -hmm. and their brothers. But what's hilarious is even if you haven't seen the movie, is that the villain is creating a puppy formula to make all dogs puppies and stay puppies. Oh. And that's like... Because the premise is like, because the premise... Like babies more than puppies. Yeah. Like puppies more than babies. And it's so hilarious because it's like kind of true. It is kind of true. That's the funny part. My daughter loved that movie. She still talks about it, but she only liked it because she'd be like, no, mom, I'm the boss baby. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I think you're missing the whole point no of the, point the movie. movie. Yes. It's not that you're a boss. Okay. I love kids' perspectives. <laughs> All right. So if you could spend one whole day talking about anything in the world, what would you talk about? <sighs> you know what? I just, I love my job so much. <laughs> I was gonna say it had to be in something like SEL realm. So this is the but nobody wants to talk about it in my I house. Was, but I was gonna say this is why people that aren't edu- in education hate going to social events with people in education. Because people talk? in education, they go to hang out and like de-stress and like. They'll be over, like, yes. talking over beers, and all they want to do is talk about the work. Do you know what happened to me the other day? This yes. child. Or, okay, like, if you want to talk to me about history, so, for example, you know, the assassination of Lincoln, and, and talk about all the different aspects of that, I, I would... You'll relate it to I education. will relate to that. Like, I love the, the whole... Um, you know, looking at th- that at things that happen in history from a different view, like I can get deep into that yeah. too. But that makes for a very boring person, unless you, know, <laughs> you like that sort of stuff. But it's okay. I am who I am. <laughs> hey, you also it. watch reality shows, so yeah, that's true. I know that's true. I know. Yeah. Okay, in this. Not really silly one, but if you could have one piece of advice for up-and-coming leaders in education, what is your piece of advice you would give them? Oh. I feel like she already gave us her quote. I know. The be who you needed when you were younger. Um, but I, could, I guess I could also say um, my favorite Lincoln quote, you know, whatever you are, be a good one. Oh, Whether yeah. you're, you're working as you know a principal in charge of a school or you're cleaning the school or you're you know an aide whatever you are you know just look into yourself and be a good one for you you know because you get the rewards of of doing the right thing so i guess always remember that you know whatever you are be a good one i agree it's way easier to be good at something than bad at something that's this is why this is why I tell kids, it's mm-hmm. way easier to get A's, B's, and C's than it is to get F's. Man, you're you're you gotta work hard. yourself. 
Yeah. It's way, it, trust me, yes. life is g way easier if you yes. want to be good. Yeah. Because the weight. A good person. Yeah, the weight <laughs> of not doing what you know you should do, that weight is heavy and it just bogs you down. Yes. And when you realize that and kids start to realize that, I've seen the light bulb go off and it's, whoa, I'm so proud of myself. Mm -hmm. This is easier than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was this has been like another free therapy session. I know, I love so, it. <laughs> thank you, thank you for spending your time with oh, us. Thank you. I feel so blessed to have met you both. You guys oh. made me happy today. If you like that episode, don't forget to give us a five star rating. We will do a happy dance every time that happens. Find new episodes every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We want to interact with our listeners. Engage with us on our website, barriers2bridgespod.simplecast.com, where you can also find our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or email us at barriers to bridgespod at gmail.com. Have a fabulous day overcoming barriers and building those bridges. This episode was co-produced by Melissa Baco and Dana Barron. My mom, Dana Barron, did all of the editing. Thank you for listening.